0: Hey everyone, welcome to today's high score for St. Patrick's Day, March 17th, 2018. Hope you guys are kicking back with some green beer to celebrate the holiday. Personally, I don't think I've gone out on St. Patrick's Day in probably 10, 12 years maybe. St. Patrick's Day to me, I've always called the part-timers drinking day. Although I think at this point in my life, I would also be considered a part-time drinker. I don't drink all that much anymore. Uh, But I hope you guys are having a great day. I hope you guys are ready to get in some great calls. Um, for those of you who are new to the show, maybe haven't checked it out before, this is a call-in show where you guys let your voice be heard on siftedgames at sifted.net. Um, let's see, a couple ground rules. Uh, first of all, if you're gonna call in, the most important thing is to make sure you have headphones or earbuds. Um, if you have the stream turned on in the background, we'll get a wicked echo on the show. So make sure when you call in, you're on headphones or headbuds or something like that. Also, you can use you're using Skype, obviously, but you can use a tablet, a PC, even your phone, um, whatever you got that works with Skype. We can handle it. Um, while we prefer to have video with your call, uh, we can handle audio only as well. So if you don't have a camera or you don't want to be on camera, that's totally fine. Don't be shy. Um, we're into like our fifth episode now. I think people have figured out that it's fun to get on the show and it's great to talk games with your fellow sifters. So. With that in mind, let's get on with the show. Um, hopefully you guys checked out the uh, episode of Game Face with Colin Moriarty. Streamed live last night, archived late last night. I did not get much sleep. I wanted to get that up as soon as possible for you guys. And uh, it's been up since 2 in the morning last night. I got about 5 or 6 hours of sleep and then got up to prep for this. Um, but it should be a good show. Hopefully you guys are a little toasty. At least you guys in Europe are celebrating St. Patrick's Day already. Maybe you're a little toasty. It is your Saturday night. Uh, But let's get going. The first topic we want to discuss this week, um, one of the bigger stories of the week that we didn't cover on Game Face last night is Battlefront 2 has finally announced how it is going to handle its microtransactions going forward. For those of you who don't know, but probably most of you do, uh, the game came under a lot of fire for its microtransaction policies, its loot box policies when it first launched. And ultimately, I believe that resulted in the game selling around half as well as the first Battlefront. Um, I know that a lot of you guys are Star Wars fans. I'm a big Star Wars fan. And it's interesting that so many people kind of turn their nose up to the game based upon microtransactions. Personally, I really didn't see what the big deal was. I, I did not care. Uh, I think one of the big concerns with people was that... Uh, It was easier for some people to pay and play as some of the big hero characters, like Darth Vader or Luke Skywalker or whatever. Uh, Having spent dozens of hours playing it online, I I never really noticed it. I played the beta and I didn't really notice it, other than to say that I just wasn't as good as a lot of players and didn't get the hero characters very often. Um, But it appears that for a lot of you, the microtransaction policies for this game was a deal breaker. It was something that caused you to not buy the game. And so I'm wondering, What is it that is a deal-breaker for you with a game? What is it about a game that can make you not buy it, even if normally you'd be really, really excited about it? Um, It could be anything. It could be microtransaction policies. Maybe that's why you didn't like Battlefront all that much. Um, It could be you hate the lead character. It could be you hate the genre. Or it could be that they completely changed a franchise that you were a really big fan of and uh, you didn't want to support that with your dollars and look I'm I'm a person who says all the time that uh, you vote with your money and if you don't like something about a game or the way the industry is headed you can always just decide not to spend your money on that and that's a way to send the message to the publishers that you're not happy about it and hopefully it changes the behavior and in this case that is exactly what happened Um, EA basically completely reverted its policies on microtransactions now the game um, is pretty much all cosmetic So if you pay for stuff, it's mostly cosmetic uh, I think a lot of people would be happy about that So call in Sifted Games on Skype S-I-F-T-D-G-A-M-E-S um, And let me know What is a deal breaker for you with a video game? What is one thing it can do That'll make you turn up your nose to it? Alright, we have our first caller Here is Joey Apps Joey, welcome to the show Known as OTAPS on sifted what's going on how's your saturday are you celebrating saint patrick's day today
1: well being english and watching england lose the rugby i'm a little bit sour on the irish if i'm honest but, i do <laughs> um, I've, I've had a few guinnesses I'm, I'm all cool with it you know but um a little bit as you might say
0: i just saw marcus uh beer post on i believe it's facebook or twitter about that uh rugby match so i think he was happy with who won though i believe did
1: wales win or something I think everyone's happy when England loses. So <laughs> it,
2: that's,
1: that's, that's what it boils down to. Very lot of success the last two years. So hats off to. Um, the other teams in the Six Nations, it's been a great tournament and, you know, um, it's good when things are competitive and as hard as that is to say as an as Englishman, it's, it's good to see other teams compete and, and doing well because otherwise, if it was the same team being successful, it would ultimately be boring. So, um, well done. Well done to Ireland. Well done to Scotland in particular, who I know have done very well for the first time in a few years. So, um, yeah, long may the Six Nations continue.
0: Rugby is a crazy sport. I grew up playing football. I started when I was in, I don't know, like the fourth or fifth grade American football. Uh, and I played football yes. all the way up through high school. So I played, and in fact, whenever I was really young, I was playing in Pop Warner, which is basically like fourth to fifth and sixth grade. Uh, my team went to the national championship game, the Pop Warner team did. Um, and I was, like, a kid, and we got flown to Atlanta and then got on a bus and went and played in this crazy game in Alabama, and we got destroyed, literally destroyed. We lost <laughs> 35-7. to I always remember the very first play, our toughest player on our team, and you always know who the toughest player is on your team when you're young, um, but we, yeah. ki- we kicked the ball to the other team. They ran down. Our toughest player hits the guy with the ball in his helmet split in half. And that was it. Game over. (laughs) Our
3: whole team saw that,
0: and we were like, oh my gosh, our toughest player just had his helmet split in half. And that was it. Like, our spirit was just broken right there, and it was just all downhill from there. But uh, rugby is crazy. Uh, Where I live in L.A., our apartment complex is right across the street from a huge field, literally. The field is probably the size of, like, 10 soccer pitches. And they'll have soccer matches there some weekends, but some weekends they have rugby there. And I will sit Mm -hmm. out on our deck. We're up on the third floor, so I can kind of see the whole thing. And I will sit on our deck and watch rugby and just watch people get killed. I mean, every day, the ambulance comes at least three times to take someone off the field. Wow. And there are female leagues that play there, too. Same deal. In fact, I would argue that the female players get hurt way more often than the male players. So I have mad, mad respect for rugby. They don't show up much here in the States. I don't get to watch it too much, but I have a lot of respect for it. So anyway, back on topic. What is it about a game that'll make it that's a deal breaker for you that'll keep you from buying it? When normally maybe you might.
1: Yeah, so, so something that's quite specific um, is 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 the if it's a sequel to a game is how the first game was received or how I received it. Okay. So you mentioned Battlefront Two at the top of the show. Yeah. Um, although the, the microtransactions were, you know, a pain in the backside and I didn't, I didn't like the fact that it was tied into the way people were progressing, they had an advantage, potentially, if they wanted to, you know, you'd buy the star cards. It was more to do with the fact that I wasn't that impressed with the first game. And that, to me, is is a, a big telling for me. If I've played the first game... What did you not like about this, the first game? I just, I thought it was barren of content, and yeah, not I know to, not, I'm not one, saying there's nothing to complain about with the first one, trust me, I'm just wondering. No. No it was barren of content, and yeah, they to be honest, when the trailers were coming out, they said, "No season pass um, single player campaign I was like right they 've answered everything I needed to, um, then I jumped on the beta, and yeah, just wasn 't that impressed with it. I thought they haven 't moved the, the gameplay on enough i I'm not really as you mentioned the other week when I was when we was talking about what's my flinching point, I prefer single player games. Okay. And um I didn't feel I didn't feel like the campaign would offer me much, but it you know, if a game has burnt me once, I'm unlikely to go back to that franchise unless I know that there's a new development team or there's a completely new direction. And one game that you know i i wasn't i wasn't you know overly critical of this game but the evil within the first one okay. it felt like it got a it got a decent okayish kind of critical reception fan reaction didn't seem that that good and then we look at the Evil Within 2 sales, and you can see they've dropped right off a cliff. They yeah. have, you know, it's not sold very well. It's on sale in the UK, it's on sale for £20, which is probably about $25 in your neck of the woods. And that's just a sign that has not sold well. And I think that's because people weren't impressed with the first one. I think when you do that to fans or you do that to, to people that have purchased your game, that can have a, a you know, a knock on effect to your next game. Um, and uh, that, for me, that's a, that's a, Golden rule. If it's something I didn't enjoy once, why would I go back to the well unless they can show me there's a there's a change in direction or or, or, you know, stopping some of the problems that I had before?
0: That's kind of the question I have actually. So you mentioned a change in direction. So that's happened with Battlefront 2. EA changes policies, it's kind of made the microtransaction policies a little more consumer friendly. Once you've kind of turned your back on a franchise, is it possible for you to kind of change your mind on it and then maybe go back to it? I mean, after this change for Battlefront 2, would you consider maybe getting the game now that uh, the, the predatory practices are kind of gone? Or, or are you kind of a one-and-done guy where once you get burned once, there's, there's no way you're going back?
1: There's, my doors always open. It's closed in this situation, but in general, <laughs> it's, it's it's open because I I love good games. I love playing playing video games. So I'd never I'd never shut out a franchise if they you know took a misstep in one direction. What it might mean is day one. Don't expect me to be there prancing you know parading your game. I will you know sit back and relax and perhaps wait for a sale. With with Battlefront 2, it's a little bit um it's a bit different situation because I have um, EA access. So, I oh, okay. know in oh, yeah. six months' time it's going to be on there we you know six, nine months, whatever it might be, at some point that subscription I've bought for eighteen pounds or whatever it was for the whole year, which is again twenty two dollars your 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 world um that will be on there there's no rush for me to jump on my none of my f- circle of friends are playing the game actively online. The single-player campaign, you know, I can I can pick that up whenever I want. But th- my door's always open. I feel like if you, you you end up cutting your nose off to spite your face, if you turn your back on particular franchises just because they had one misstep, but doesn't mean I have to support the game that I particularly didn't like, or or if it's you know falling off the back of one that I didn't.
0: All right, I love that perspective, man. Have yourself a great, great St. Patrick's Day, and don't drink too much.
1: <laughs> no, no, i i have a couple more, and then I think I'm done, otherwise I'll, I'll fall asleep. Just want to say, great job <laughs> on the- I'll fall uh, asleep. <laughs> <laughs> I will, I'll come count, it's only 8 o'clock here, so I need, I need to stay up to at least 10. They've got some UFC on in London tonight, so that starts at nine, I'll watch the main card, and then hopefully drop off. But want to say, great job on Game of yesterday having Colin, and I thought you two worked really well together, and it was, a, it was nice, it's much we all love, Matt. It's nice to see some of the fresh perspective there. So um, yeah, absolutely, well done. And, and I like the sweet setup you've got. I don't know if you're doing it from your apartment, but the green's working well for St. Patrick's Day. No, no, I do this
0: from the studio.
1: And yeah, I'm glad somebody
0: noticed that I decided to rock the green today for St. Paddy's Day. It doesn't really match the show graphics, but sometimes you just got to throw that to the wind and celebrate a holiday. So that's what we're doing.
1: Exactly. All right. Have a good evening.
0: Yep. Take care, brother. Afternoon. See you next time. Shut up. Bye. All right. All right, so some of you guys were calling in while I was talking to OTAPs. Give us a ring now. Here's live mmw 7 What's up? Welcome to today's high score. Hey. Hey, welcome back to today's high score. You're one of our regular callers. Thank you very much for being a part of the show. What's your take on this? Uh, what, would it, what is kind of a, a deal breaker for you to not consider a game even after changes have been made? And is, it, is, it, is one mistake too late? Um, do you, you just give a, stu- a developer or a publisher one chance, and then no matter what they change about the game, you're never going to go back? What's your perspective on it?
4: The problem is in this case, you're not talking about one mistake. You're talking about a publisher with a bit of a history of mistakes.
0: That's a good point. That's a good
4: point. Like again, like I know this is this is about Battlefront too, but you got to keep. In context, Battlefront 2 is not kind of in a vacuum here.
0: No, you're right. I mean, EA, I think in in general, EA has kind of turned into the villain of the industry in a lot of ways. And it's, I don't think it's just about their nefarious uh, microtransaction practices. I think a lot of people have a lot of anger over EA because EA has closed a lot of people's favorite studios.
4: Honestly, I'm one of those people who it's like, again, this goes into their... It's EA's mismanagement that I think is its biggest problem.
0: What kind of mismanagement? What do, you, what do you mean when you say that?
4: When I say mismanagement, I mean that it is clear if you read the stuff from, like, the vi- visceral closing. It's like their upper management was a mess. Combine that with, like, forcing frostbite on every one of your studios. Like... Frostbite might be good at a Battlefield game, but it is not a good multi, multi-genre engine. It's not a good general-purpose game engine. No,
0: I agree with that, actually. I think that's kind of been proven out over the last year, year and a half, is that, yeah, while it it may work great for a Battlefield and make the game look great, and I don't deny Battlefield is a gorgeous game, it doesn't appear to have the flexibility or the latitude to be applied to different genres. I agree with that 100%. And you're right, EA is forcing that engine on its studios, and I think a big part of that is to make sure that EA hits its milestones with its games to make sure that its games come out when they're supposed to come out, and therefore keep shareholders happy. I mean, despite all the problems with EA, EA's stock price is not really taking much of a tumble, even after... No, but that's... Go ahead.
4: But that's because of sport. That's because of their sports and mobile games.
0: Yeah, no, you're right. It, EA's Which... mobile portfolio is really propping it up. And that's not just EA. There's a lot of publishers out there where their mobile offerings are... I mean, Konami's one of them where mobile is kind of keeping it going. Um, we're Honestly, to...
4: at this point, I just don't consider Konami a game publisher. Yeah, yeah.
0: I think a lot of like, people would agree with like you on that Like, let's
4: kind of remove that from the equation. Yeah. And... Like, I'm actually still somewhat surprised EA keeps trying to make core games at this point.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm not surprised by that. They have too much invested in it, honestly. Um, I think you could see that EA's output of what most people would consider AAA games that aren't sports games has slowed down over the last few years. At this point, it's pretty much just a Star Wars and sports studio, right?
4: like but like but that's what I'm sort of like getting at is like I don't know if Lucasfilm renews their contract with EA in 2021 and what do they have then they have basically Battlefield
0: Yeah I mean Battlefield does do really well but one game does not a publisher make it, it's not enough especially yeah. when you're EA <laughs>
4: yeah, I mean the like the biggest thing is like and i i get the theoretical business logic around wanting to use an internal engine for all of your studios like i understand the theoretical business logic that exists there you can you can sort of split the cost of development across multiple games and multiple studios like i totally get that yeah But I think over the, it's not just the last two years, I think the last five years, there were stories about how hard Frostbite was to use coming out with, like, Dragon Age uh, Inquisition. Like, this uh, this isn't new. This isn't just Mass Effect Andromeda. This isn't just the visceral stuff. This has been floating around for a while.
0: And to answer kind of the, the more pointed question, once a game has kind of turned you off, or a franchise has turned you off, do you Will you ever give it a second chance? Will you ever return? And Even if, if reviews are great and people are... And word of mouth is really good on social media and stuff like that?
4: I mean, yeah. I'm not going to totally close it off. And honestly, like... It's... Like, again, like, I, I will fully... Admit, I jumped back into Battlefront 2, the 2005 version. Okay, okay. Not to, when when... Uh, when disney had gog put up servers
0: right yeah i remember that
4: so and you like, are open to it yeah. but,
0: but how what does it take does that have to be something drastic or can it just be one thing that you dislike about it
4: it has to like frankly and this is gonna i'm gonna actually have to explain this statement it actually has to be a star wars battlefront game. oh
0: wow <laughs> so are you thinking about like, picking up battlefront 2 now that uh, ea finally settled in on its permanent policies for this
4: no, because it's not a Star Wars battlefront game.
0: Okay. And why why here's do you feel that way? About,
4: because here's if you if you have played the original two battlefronts. Yeah. The Xbox and your right PS two games, yeah. they were effectively Battlefield nineteen forty two.
0: Yeah, they were. I mean, but that's kind they, of how EA works, right? I mean, and this is really but, 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 Battlefield One and with Star Wars, right?
4: But what I'm getting at is they were very particularly classic Battlefield, whereas this really isn't. Like, these are not Battlefield games in a lot of ways. Like, if they were Star Wars with Battlefield, if it, if it was Battlefield with a Star Wars skin, people would have been happy because that's what people wanted from these games. So you're saying they're and changing these, it too Star- much for
0: the Star Wars IP? Because I, I think what I would say is that. EA seems to make Battlefront a little more casual friendly. And I mean, from a business perspective, that kind of makes sense because you're probably but, gonna but get some
4: it casual friends. Because those because those who played the original Battlefront games, which by the way, believe it or not, were actually the most successful Star Wars games ever for a very long period of time.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
4: Right they were literally just Battlefield 1942 with a Star Wars skin. And in a lot of ways that's all people really wanted here was give us Battlefield, classic Battlefield with a Star Wars skin, right? You know, instead of whatever Sherman's we're, were driving, the, I forget the Star Wars version, but like just have it be basically instead of, you know, old – Like, instead of flag jets, we're we're flag TIE fighters, right? Like, just take Battlefield and give it the Star Wars skin instead of trying to make it something that it's not.
0: Gotcha. That's a great take, actually. And I think you're right. There are a lot of old Battlefront players who are not happy with the new games. I don't think you're alone on that. So thank you very much for your call. Once again, a great call from you. And I hope we'll see you next Saturday. Yep, thank you. All right, take care. And we're going to give him a Hadouken for that great call. (laughs) Uh, So we'll take one more call on this topic. Let's get one more person in here. We got McWomble calling in, another regular caller. Let's get McWomble in here. He's always great. I know you're celebrating St. Patrick's Day. What's up, McWomble?
2: Hey, Shane. How's it going? I'm doing good, man. How are you doing on St. Paddy's Day? Um, well, one of my friends was luckily enough to get hospitality tickets to go and watch Ireland v England at Twickenham and saw his Irish team win the Six Nations and get the Grand Slam. So he's a very happy man.
0: Well, that's good. What about you? How are you doing on St. Paddy's Day?
2: Um, I'm I'm doing great. Scotland finished third in the Six Nations table. Thanks for uh, starting this off. O taps turned it into the uh, rugby Twitch stream. <laughs> I'm totally <laughs> Yeah, so fine Scotland with it. finished. Yeah, Scotland finished third, only for the third time in eighteen years, so I'm very happy about that.
0: That's great. Congratulations. So what's your take on this? What what do you think is uh something that will uh change your mind about a game when you decided not to buy it at first?
2: Um something that normally sets sets my mind is community reaction. Okay. Um and I was I was kind of on the fence with, um, Star Wars Battlefront two, um, until the community reaction happened. And that kind of solidified what I was reading about how EA were basically trying to screw over people and turn it into a mobile style cash cow, um, for people like, um, your friend and everyone else is Michael Pactor to try and jump in on them and become these the gaming whales. Uh, <laughs> so that that really really put me off, and I know because I am a massive Star Wars fan. At some point, I am going to pick up that game, but it's going to have to be with a huge discount so you because think- I just don't.
0: So the changes that they've made to microtransactions, do you believe that 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 was something that kind of pushed you over the edge, even though you're waiting for a discount for it? Do you think that the the new policies will help you spend that cash, even though it's less than full price?
2: Oh, no way. I I will not give EA any extra money on microtransactions. (laughs) Um, In fact, I I don't give anyone extra money on anything that's to do with loot boxes. and that's that's my choice and i know people get a bit funny about about is it choice or is it some kind of insidious tactic to try and get people to spend money anyway that's a totally different discussion um but to cover off the what what i was saying about community reaction the community reaction has totally put me off as well so take something like um the souls games um from my gaming likes and dislikes, I should like the Souls games. Um and I've never tried one and one of the main reasons You've never is, tried well, one uh, even though you
0: think you would like it. <laughs>
2: is, it is it one of, there's a couple of things that have put me off. One watching you play. And, okay. <laughs> um well, don't let that to deter you. I mean yeah it's well documented it, I, I know, I'm I, know not I, a would, fan. I Yeah I know that those games would just frustrate the shit out of me and okay. I wouldn't enjoy them in the end. Gotcha. The other thing that really turned me off in terms of um community reaction is the whole well you just don't you're not good enough at games well the whole get good, off. Get good thing it, <laughs> yeah and that that really really just sets me off this kind of gaming elitism and the same things happened with a few other games overwatch being another one whereas if you don't like this game you're not a gamer shut up yeah um
0: I, and I, that really I, bothers oh, me too the whole get good thing it's like just because yeah. you don't enjoy a game, it means that you're not skilled at the game. I-, I don't get that at all.
2: Well, it's it's not it's it's kind of it's it's one of the reasons why I, I've never ever signed up to anything on Reddit or NeoGAF when it existed, or the bastardised version that it's turned into since it closed. And it, it's one of those things where a, a community can have. Well, I, I suppose gaming is unique in that respect, where communities do have so much power over the medium, um, because we saw, do not fuck with Star Wars. <laughs> 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 Which I thought was absolutely brilliant. And um, hopefully EA have learned their lesson from that. But equally, the it, there are a number of people, and I'm not the only one who's been totally put off from the whole if you don't like Bloodborne, you're not a gamer. And the Souls games are the greatest games that have been made in the last 20 years. And if you don't like that, you don't know about the gaming industry and how games are made. No, get over yourselves. We are all part of a brilliant industry where everyone's making creative and engaging content. Stop trying to um, elitize whatever it is that, or evangelize whatever it is you like. and that Here's can my people perspective. One of those
0: people. Here's my perspective. If it weren't for people who aren't fans of Bloodborne or Dark Souls buying other games besides Bloodborne and Dark Souls, then Bloodborne and Dark Souls would not be made in the first place because while they sell okay, they do not sell gangbusters. And us buying the other games that aren't those games puts money in the coffers so that these publishers will make games for the people who like them, like Bloodborne and Dark Souls. So, you're right. We're, we're all in the same pot here. We're all on the same team. We all love video games. And it's a symbiotic relationship. It's like... All that money goes into the same pot and that pot is used to fund games that everybody likes. And so to me, sliding people who don't like, and I never do this, this is why I always say I respect everyone's opinion and I don't begrudge anyone for playing any game that they like. I will never ever say that because those people buying games that I don't like funds the games that I do like. And I think that's something that people need to keep in perspective when they're they're flummoxed that other gamers don't like the same stuff that they do.
2: Yeah. And um, just a, one quick final point on that is realize that now with social media um, voice, the angry voices can be heard a lot louder and a lot more quickly than they used to. Absolutely. So if the, if there is if there is something you do like, just make that voice as loud as you can, just as much as if there's something that you don't like, um, because you don't hear enough st- good, good stories about things that are going on. Um, and then I'll sign off with Go Titans. They've made some good moves this <laughs> off season.
0: They did. They got Dion Lewis. I was kind of hoping to the draft. I was kind of hoping the Steelers would let Le'Veon Bell go and then pick up Dion Lewis on the cheap, but and now the Titans picked him up. That's not happening. So best of luck to your Titans this year, man. We'll see how it goes. Thank Still you a very long much. way to go Cheers, to the Shane. NFL season. Cheers, brother. All right. So we did thirty minutes on that topic. We're going to move on to the next one. Um... The next topic is DLC. Do you guys care about DLC? Do you pay for DLC? I'll be perfectly honest with you. Other than Grand Theft Auto 4 Story DLC, I have never ever paid for DLC in my entire life. I've never paid for even a cosmetic item. I've never paid for a hat or a gun skin. Uh, I've never paid for like multiplayer expansions. I am pretty lucky in that uh, a lot of times I will get a free download code for Call of Duty maps or something like that. And that is something that maybe if I really got into a shooter, I might pay for maps if I didn't get a lot of them for free. But overall, I don't pay anything for DLC. And I think I might be out of the ordinary here. So let's get your perspective. Here's Joseph L. calling in. Joseph, what is your perspective on DLC?
5: Do you buy it? Hey, Shane. How you doing? What's going on, man? Happy St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, same to you, same to you. So DLC is the topic.
0: Yeah, do you buy it? Do you not buy it? If so, or if not, why?
5: I do buy it. I buy DLC all the time. All the time, I buy it. Um, It totally depends on uh, what the game is and what the kind of DLC is. I don't really do... Map packs or anything like that, but I definitely buy uh, story DLC. Uh, some of the best content can be story DLC because at that point, the team that made the game has had a lot of time to really refine what they do and learn what they do. I think in a lot of cases, for me, when one is part
0: of it, is my vocation. It's really hard for me to go back to games after I finish them. Um, I always need to kind of move on and play the next big thing that I can, so I can help you guys ultimately decide whether you want to buy it or not. Um, so that's one part of it. The other part of it, too, is a a lot of times where I've tried to play a story DLC, it's always ended up being a shell of its former self. Um, like, um, I think the most recent example is Wolfenstein 2's DLC. The DLC for that game has been absolutely atrocious. And this is Bethesda, which is typically a publisher. <laughs> I mean, honestly, Bethesda is typically a publisher that usually does some pretty good DLC. And it's been terrible. For, it's been terrible for Wolfenstein 2. And, uh, Again, I think it is part of part of it is my my job. What I need to do is a service to you guys to make sure you know about the latest and greatest games that are coming out and figure out whether you want to make that initial purchase before you even decide about the DLC. So I am in kind of a unique position um, in that mm-hmm. DLC doesn't work for me in a lot of ways. But have you ever been burned by DLC though? That made you maybe second guess buying future DLC.
5: Uh, I think that. It's not that I get burned by DLC, it's that I make the decision based on the main game whether or not I'm going to purchase the DLC. So uh, Shadow of Mordor, not Shadow of War, the the first one, Shadow of Mordor, the one from 2015, I played the game, I liked the game enough, but it wasn't worth the price to buy the DLC to do it again or to do more of it. To me, that was not not really worth it. Um, And... Then there are other examples where Assassin's Creed, which Assassin's Creed was a good decision to buy the DLC. The, the Hidden Ones moves the story along. It, it's you know, more of the same stuff that I really enjoyed the first time around. And it, it added enough to it that I'm like, oh, oh, it's worth the cost.
0: Well, the other thing I've noticed is, and I obviously have all the data on Sifted to look at, is that reviews and trailers for DLC that we curate on Sifted does no traffic.
5: Literally, like none. So,
0: do you read reviews for DLC, or do you just kind of buy it
5: blind? Uh, I buy it blind. I don't really care what the reviews say because, it, as far as I'm concerned, it's just an expansion of the base game. There's very, very few times do they overhaul anything so drastically that I think it's worth reviewing in a you know a long form review context to to a piece of DLC. I, I, an exception being like blood and wine for the witcher where it's basically a game in and of itself but most dlc content is two three four hours i don't need a review for that you know
0: but so basically what you're saying is for 15 bucks 10 bucks you're not so concerned about the money loss that you're going to investigate your purchase before you make it
5: yeah, because it is it is discounted, or not discounted, it is cheaper than the full cost of the game. And a lot of times I wait to to buy the DLC, I'll wait until a sale comes out, because sometimes they're overpriced. Uh, EA, not to harp on EA like too much this episode, like you guys did before on Battlefront, but uh, EA's DLC costs are out of this world for most things. I, look at, I, I love The Sims, I played The Sims as a kid, I really want to get into a new Sims game. I'm not going to, because the expansions are like 40 bucks a pop, and I've never seen them get below 30. Uh, uh, Dragon Age Inquisition's DLC finally dropped on sale at one point to be like uh, a 10 when it was 15, and that was the lowest I saw it go within a reasonable time. So some companies are really bad about it.
0: Are there any companies that you think are really good at it?
5: Well, CD Project Red does a great job with their DLC. Um, like you said before Bethesda generally has a pretty good DLC policy at least in their pricing and they don't they don't make yeah. it out atlandish um, i would say those are the two best examples um Auto IV had a great DLC uh, like you know you said you bought those 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 are great stories i have to say <laughs> they, yeah they really, i really
0: missed it honestly I mean... <laughs> in GTA 5 like i'm not a big GTA yeah, me on- too. online player um you neither i played it when it came out for a little bit messed around with it had a little bit of fun uh, but I would trade GTA Online for single-player story DLC for GTA Five in a heartbeat. Just like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I would do it. Yeah, um, I, mean, I don't know if i I might be in the Masters minority the on that one, but, but you're right. That's what Rockstar's really good at, is telling stories, developing characters, creating interesting characters, creating interesting scenarios in general. And I feel like Rockstar's mm-hmm. just not playing to its strengths by... Sort of putting all its resources towards GTA Online, it does make me a little bit nervous for Red Dead Redemption Two that they might follow that yeah. same exact path. Unfortunately,
5: I agree that they're not playing to their strengths in terms of what we know that they're good at. But whatever they're doing, it's working for them. Oh, you yeah. know, they're, there's they're no denying they're making money. On the company. Yeah, <laughs> That's the, they're doing they're doing their uh, you know fiduciary duty to their shareholders.
0: Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you very much for your call. Have yourself a great St. Patrick's Day. Uh, don't drink yourself into, into too much of a stupor today.
5: Don't worry, I won't. Have mean, a good one, Shane. Yep.
0: All right, take care, man. Bye. All right, we'll take one more call on this. We have sifted Mitch calling in. What's up, Mitch? Welcome to today's high score. Hey, what's up? What's going on, man? How's your day going?
6: Um, it is kind of busy, but uh, we're. I'm going to go out with some friends for St. Patty's Day later. So awesome. So what's your take on yeah. DLC? So actually, I'm similar to you. I don't really purchase much when it comes to DLC. Um, it, it's, it's hard because I, 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 mean, I love games, so I play them all the time. And so it's so hard to go back after you've been playing a bunch of games and you keep playing new games and trying new stuff out. And it's just hard to go back to try something new or similar to what you already experienced. Well, particularly and,
0: with some it, of these games where you'll spend... 40 or 50 hours just making it through the campaign. I mean, some of these open-world action RPGs like The Witcher, I mean, you could burn over 100 hours on some of those games, or, or Breath of the Wild. Um, after I've spent that much time in a game world, to me, that DLC has to look just lip-smacking awesome before I'm going to dive back into the game. And another example of a game where I felt like I did get burned on DLC is Breath of the Wild. I thought the DLC for that game was completely <laughs> underwhelming, um, yeah. The first DLC was something that should have just been included in the game And then the quote unquote story DLC um, There was really no story in it at all, no storytelling There was a premise um, and there was a little bit, uh, a little bit of, new co- of new content But overall I didn't even end up finishing that um, I got about halfway through from what I can tell Before I kind of bailed on it, it just wasn't doing much for me in all honesty
6: no, I absolutely agree with you on that one. That One of my biggest complaints and why it was so hard against... Um, like, I enjoyed Zelda Breath of the Wild a lot, but I did not think it was the score it got because that story was so lackluster. And then we get this thing of like, oh, there's story to come. And then you go and play it and you're like, there's nothing there. Yeah. Um, I think... The, and I think the, something people are mentioning on chat that I never thought about was uh, there's also those Game of the Year editions that come oh,
0: yeah. out. Yep, um, that have like, everything wrapped into I, one package for a cheap price. That's a good point.
6: Exactly. Yeah, I so wish
0: I could see like, chat actually while we do this show. Unfortunately, I can't. But maybe maybe I'll try to figure but, out some way to make it
2: work.
6: But it just shows of, like, does it really make it worth it? Because in about a year from now, when the DLC comes out in six months, you can just wait another six months and then just get everything all in one, sometimes at a reduced price, sometimes at full price. But in the end, like, the other part of just how long you have to wait for it is just... uh, because obviously people are going to get mad if it, doesn't come, if it comes out like a month after the game comes out because then they're like, well, you could have put in the game in the first place. But then if you yeah. wait six months, it's like, is that too long nowadays? Because you have so many games. Like, I think the biggest difference from when uh, DLC started earlier to how it was now is that there's so many much better games out there right now. And so like it's hard to stick with a game long term because you're going to want to experience like we got God of War coming out next month you got Nino Cooney this week. Like, well, if you get actually DLC I just got both... that
0: this morning. I'm very excited. It showed up in the mail right before I came over here and I was like, Oh, I wanna stay here and play it, but I gotta go do the show. So yeah, I'm pretty I'm jacked jealous. up. For I that. gotta
6: wait till Friday. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but uh don't you think, though, that the way things are headed right now with games as a service, that people are actually playing the games longer than they used to instead of... I mean, you are talking about how you always want to kind of move on and you don't want to play games that long, but aren't a lot of people actually playing these games a lot longer than they ever did before?
6: But it's like one game. It's not like... Yeah. They're not hopping to, like, three or four different games. So, and, and most of those games are focused multiplayer online games. So, like, Fortnite, a huge example. I think mean, that... That one's a huge multiplayer game that just gives you a lot of extra content. And I think the the other thing that they're catching on, and Microsoft started to do it with the past Halo, if I remember correctly. They started to give you DLC for free because people felt like, well, I'm going to be behind if I don't buy that DLC. I'm not going to have that map. I can't play with my friends on that map if I don't buy that DLC. And it, it showed that people aren't willing to budge to purchase it. That because actually is a really smart tactic by
0: publishers, though, because there's nothing worse than playing a shooter with your friends and suddenly a map comes into the rotation and you get booted out of the party because your friends all have the map and you don't. Um, it makes it's me happened mad- to
6: me a lot. I
0: mean, it's interesting how you relate to it because it makes me angry. It makes me not want to buy the DLC while at the same exact time wishing I had the DLC. <laughs> it's like a conundrum that you get put in sometimes, right?
6: Well, it's because like, you don't love the game that much that you want to buy the DLC, but your friends love it enough that they want to buy the DLC. And so when you're putting those two different uh, wants in that area, it just doesn't work. It yep. doesn't work.
0: You're absolutely right. It can put you in a tough spot. Well, Mitch, thank you so much for calling into THS, man. Great call. Great perspective. Have yourself an awesome St. Paddy's Day. Yeah, you too. All right, man. All right. Great, great, great discussion on that. I'm actually surprised. I didn't know uh, if that topic was going to work or not, but I think it did. So next up, we're going to talk about the death of a retailer, Um, not just any retailer. This retailer is Toys R Us. Um, I'm a little older maybe than some of you guys, uh, so maybe I have a bigger affinity than you guys for Toys R Us. But... I have grown up with Toys R Us and when I was a kid it was always something that I looked forward to and we have a caller coming in already to talk about the death of Toys R Us. Welcome to THS. What's going on man? How's your uh, St. Patty's Day going?
7: Hey, it's actually going for, Hold on
0: Hold on, get, on just a uh, second I, I've got to get I've got to get his video in here Because <laughs> Because you, you guys have to see What's going on right now uh, This isn't just any call we got, we got somebody Outside, first of all Which is awesome Not just outside But outside apparently Welding What's going on? But this goes to show you that no matter where you are or what you're doing, you can get on the show. I don't care if you're at the shopping mall (laughs) while your girlfriend is in some store and you're bored out of your mind. Wherever. You can call in from wherever into THS. I freaking love it, man. What's your perspective on Toys R Us? Are you like me? Are you sad that it's going away?
7: Oh, um, (laughs) sorry. I I I was scrambling and listening. I thought DLC was still going, but I'll chime in on Toys R Us as well. I was all I'll say is about DLC is I'm a unique individual because I have purchased the DLC for every Souls game and, and the Witcher games. I have yet to still play any of it. Well, wow, see, that's another
0: thing. Sometimes I get codes from publishers for free for DLC, and I never even do anything with them. And what we ended up doing was we did the one subscriber drive and we gave away like a hundred codes or whatever. Those were all codes. The publishers, and a lot of them were codes for DLC. The publishers had sent me that I just never even redeemed and knew I was never going to redeem them.
7: Yeah, the um, I'll, I'll move on to Toys R Us, but it's mostly my personal problem because those particular games, I love them, but I would usually put in about like 120 plus hours into the game before the first DLC even launches, and then by then, I'm burned out and I have to take a break, and then I never get back to it. So. Uh, hopefully, I I'll get to those because I hear they're some of the best parts of uh, those games.
0: Yeah, but, well, honestly, I think you fall in line with all, with all the other callers who called in about this topic. I think you're, uh, you're in agreement <laughs> with them. So how do you feel about Toys R Us going away? And maybe the bigger question here is how are you buying your games? Do you even go to retailers anymore? Do you care about physical versus digital? What's your take?
7: Um, for particular games, I do care about physical. Um, All the Souls games I have uh, in physical form, even my uh, PC versions of Dark Souls 2, um, I still have physical versions of those, even though it was hilarious. I opened up the case and booted up the disk, and all it was was a link to Steam (laughs) (laughs) a 13 megabyte file that was a link to Steam. Well, how about these collector's
0: editions now that don't actually come with the game? What is up with that? Like, at least that, that, put a download ridiculous. at least put a download code in there. Like yeah. that's insane to me.
7: That's something ridiculous that uh like Matt can d- delve into more because yeah. he he buys more <laughs> uh collectors editions than we do. Yeah. But um as far as Toys R Us uh closing, particularly Toys R Us was never a uh that itself was never a place that I would go often because the only time I would go to Toys R Us was when I was looking for like a very specific Nerf gun or something like that. <laughs> or or and, you need
0: like new Nerf bullets, right? Because you've lost them all. <laughs> yeah.
7: Yeah, something like that. But then um Kmart and Walmart started having better deals and stuff. So I stopped going to Toys R Us altogether. Um so Toys R Us I'm not that um broken up about, but brick and mortar stores in general, um, the only time that I go to them is to when I'm looking for a specific used game, or if I just have the itch to, to browse. Like, I walk into a, a, um, a Just Press Play or GameStop, um, mostly one of the local mom and pops, and I'm like, what GameCube game don't I have yet? Like, yeah. I'm gonna and look through their like two for five bin or their $10 bin or something like that just to see what I want. Um, but as far as uh, most games uh, purchases uh, for, for PC, I'll, I'll buy digital, I'll, I'll buy it through Steam um, and the very specific uh, like PlayStation 4 games that I'll pick up or switch games, um, those will be pre-ordered and purchased through Amazon. Um, that, that really is because almost no game do I have to have absolutely day one. I can wait 24 hours for the Amazon guy to come and then I can stick this in and play. And the only game that. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. Oh, I was going to say the only game that I actually purchased digitally after I'd purchased physically was um, Bloodborne, so I could have it permanently installed to my system. And so I could lend the disc to someone else.
0: And then you got it free on PlayStation Plus. <laughs> yeah, I, I,
7: I don't care. I don't feel salty at all. I got I got 200 hours out of that game before you got your it became buddy free. So.
0: Here, here's my perspective on brick-and-mortar stores. Um, so I've been a DJ since 1993. And back in 93, all DJs played on vinyl. It wasn't like the CDJs where you click the sync button and it automatically beat matches tracks for you. You went and bought records, and records came in yeah. just like with games and everything else. New records came into the record store on Tuesday. And so yeah. every Tuesday afternoon, me and my buddies who were also all DJs, we would go to 6.11 Records. And I'm sure if you've watched Game Face enough, you've seen my 6.11 Records mug that I use. Yes, I have. Uh, during the show. And we would go down there on Tuesday, and every Tuesday at 6.11 Records, it was just a mob scene. It was every electronic DJ In Philadelphia, in 611, at the same time. It was a chance to talk shop with people, uh, get better at DJing, share tricks that other people have learned or they're trying. Uh, People could turn you on to tracks that maybe they found in another record store. And you could start digging there at 611 trying to find that track. It was just a fun hangout where everybody who enjoyed the same thing could get together and commiserate like a tribe. And yeah. That's something that carries over into all of retail. Not just record shopping, but video games, you name it. Any hobby that you're into. There's that communal thing that happens on launch day where you all go in and everyone's in there and people just talk and socialize face-to-face, person-to-person. And I feel like with digital kind of taking over, not just games, but everything, that the whole spirit Mm -hmm. of that is lost. And I just think it increasingly isolates us. And in conjunction with online play, I mean, LAN parties are kind of a thing of the past now, which was something that I really loved back in the 90s. Or just going to someone's house and sitting on their couch and playing Mario Kart or a fighting game, drinking a couple beers. Like, that's something we used to do on St. Patrick's Day when I lived in Philadelphia. Me and all my friends would get together, we'd get a couple cases of beer, and we'd sit down and we'd play games head-to-head all day and then go out that night drunk and try to not get in trouble. I mean, that's all that stuff is kind of gone with yeah. the transfer to digital. Again, not just in games, but in other forms of media. And that's what I'm going to miss about brick-and-mortar in general and not just Toys yeah. R Us.
7: Um, yeah, br- brick, um, Toys R Us, like except for a very specific batches of ami- Amiibos, probably wasn't the go-to place for most gamers anyway. No, you're right, because um, they
0: had that weird system where... You had to like get a ticket off of like the shelf and then take it to the counter, and then yeah. they would get the game out from behind the counter. You couldn't actually yep. hold and feel the game before you bought it or look at like the, the box art or the information on the back. Yeah. I always hated that about that- Toys R Us, but here's an advantage of Toys R Us. Because it's mm-hmm. exactly what you said. Gamers didn't shop there hardcore. So a lot of times on a big release day, if any of the other stores had sold out of the game particularly with, like, M-rated games, you could go to Toys R Us and you yeah. could find it. Uh, Toys R Us yeah. also generally stocked a lot more Amiibo and more toy-oriented gaming-related stuff. And uh, a yeah. lot of times, like, if I struck out all over West L.A., I'd be like, what am I doing wasting my time? i just go to Toys R Us, and, and they would have it, like, eight, nine times out of ten. Yeah. So that's something else. It's, it was To me, it was kind of like the, the retailer for the smart gamer. The people who... Uh, yeah. If you knew, you knew you could go there, and a lot of times you could get stuff. And consoles, even. A lot of times when it's hard to find a console near launch, Toys R Us would get bigger mm-hmm. allotments. A lot of people wouldn't think to go there. Uh, there were many yeah. a midnight launch where I got a console at Toys R Us when I had struck out at all the other retailers. And that's another reason I think I'll miss yeah. Toys R Us.
7: Yeah, the, mo- the most important thing for the, uh, the brick-and-mortar store for me was when I was younger, like about 15 years ago. Uh, is because I didn't have constant internet access. I what like, I didn't have the money as a dumb kid to uh, <laughs> to get like Game Informer or other stuff like that. So right. I would go into the Blockbuster or the Funko Land, and I would just browse to find out what kind of games existed because I had no other way of knowing because yeah. I didn't have a feed for the internet. the The newspaper didn't have like oh and so and so is releasing this Tuesday. It didn't happen you just went out and like and you would like browse the shelves and stuff like that and look at like and one of my favorite things was comparing uh like what it was rated for like oh this one has violence and language oh this one has blood gore violence and language <laughs> like and just uh, comparing that and like that was what i would do for fun and like whenever my mom would be at the grocery store or something and it, there was a game store nearby i would say hey could i hang out in the game store and you could come get me And nine times out of 10, she'd say yes. And so I'd get to hang out in those places.
0: That's great, man. Well, listen, thank you for your call get back to your welding project i love yep. that you called in like <laughs> I mean, this because i think it shows awesome <laughs> I, I think it shows people on that, a forge that's great man i think it shows people they can get in on this show no matter what they're doing no matter where they are i think we needed that example going forward so people will be more apt to to become a part of it so thank you man have a safe and fun saint patrick's day and hope the uh the rest of your project goes well
7: thanks shane have a great day
0: yep take care man all right we'll take one more call Here's Ty Lloyd calling in. Ty, what's up, man? Welcome to THS. I hope you're having a great St. Patrick's Day. Can you hear me, Ty? Um, there you are. I can hear you. Can you yeah, hear me? Yeah,
8: barely. Can you hear me? We absolutely
0: can. You sound great. How's your uh, St. Patrick's Day going?
8: Um, it's great. How's yours? Uh, well, I'm
0: working right now, but you know, work for me <laughs> is still having fun. So it's not too bad. I'll have plenty of time to drink a beer or two and celebrate a little bit later. But I said, like I said at the beginning of the show, I try to stay off the streets on St. Patrick's Day because you get a lot of people drinking too much who don't normally drink, and then they get behind the wheel because they think they can drive. So I try to stay off the roads and off the streets on St. Patrick's Day, but uh, I'll find some way to celebrate.
8: Yeah, me too. Like, even when it's not St. Patrick's Day, there's just a lot of <laughs> You're right. aggressive drivers here. Where, where are you from? Where do you live? Um I'm like two hours away from Seattle in oh, a okay. college town. So it's basically either all twenty somethings or all old people. <laughs> so it's kind of a nightmare.
0: Well what's your take on uh, Toys R Us and kind of brick and mortar in general going away? Are you gonna miss it at all?
8: Well, Toys R Us specifically. <laughs> it's I always was perplexed like going in there recently. It, like games were Always sixty bucks, like they should. But other things, like something as simple as Pokemon cards, they were just more expensive at Toys R Us than anywhere else. So They're like, oh, we sell them for five dollars, but any other stores, like we sell them for four. That may have been a so. factor
0: of them being in really tough financial shape. They may have may have started gouging customers a little bit on that stuff as uh, their financial fortunes were going down the toilet. I don't know that for a fact, but it's possible.
8: Yeah, it's just I never found myself going there, partly because recently places like Amazon and Best Buy have their memberships for, oh, if you buy physical games, 20% off. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's great, because I buy most of my games physically, and with digital-only games, it's a much harder sell for me. Uh, I'm like, well, you're going to put out a physical release like a year later or what? It's just a gamble.
0: It is the other thing I did like about buying games at Toys R Us, though, is that you also got to check out the toys. And yeah, <laughs> I, I don't spend a lot of time like going to toy stores. There aren't that many, obviously. Now there's really none left. Um, and I'm not going to spend a ton of time on Amazon looking at what the latest toys are. I have a lot of nieces and nephews, so every holiday season I get a chance to kind of check out what the hot toys are as I buy Christmas gifts for them. But generally, I don't really know what's going on in the world of toys and. Going to Toys R Us was a good chance for me to just kind of saunter around the aisles and check out all the cool stuff that's coming out toys-wise. Um, but otherwise, I don't really have exposure to that stuff. So that was another thing I really liked about getting games there, is that it exposed me to other things aside from games. Although, GameStop is starting to do that a little bit now. It has like kind of swag and tchotchkes in there, mostly game-related uh, stuff like Funk- Funko Pops and things like that, uh, which they didn't used to have before, or at least not as much before. Um, But that is, to me, was a French benefit of going to Toys R Us.
8: Yeah, and um, for brick-and-mortar stores in general, um, right now I live in this city just for college, but when I move out, I'm going somewhere like Seattle because we literally only have a store called Fred Meyer. I don't know if that's a thing outside of Washington, but it's It's basically like... It's not a thing
0: here, and it's not a thing on the East Coast, but I have heard of it.
8: Yeah, it's basically like a grocery store that has an electronics department, but they just get so (laughs) stuck up about everything they have. Like, the town I used to live in had a friend, Meyer, and um, last year they still had, like, Gears of War 3 Epic Editions and Max Payne 3 Collector's Editions. Wow. Still full price. Well, I mean, truth be told, some of those
0: might be worth money now.
8: Yeah, but if their justification of not lowering the price is like, oh, these aren't selling, let's just print out an IGN review and paste it on the box. That'll get (laughs) it sold. Is that what they did? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is. So maybe Toys R Us isn't so bad after all, right? Yeah, and um, (laughs) even the smaller mom-and-pop stores, when I get to see those, they just get really weird if you just look around not intending to buy anything. I'm like, well, I don't see anything. They always go over your shoulder and breathe on it. Like, what you are you they, looking they're,
0: at? You think they're trying to figure out if you're shoplifting?
8: No. Do you look I, shady? Me personally. <laughs> no. But sometimes I do come in with backpacks. Uh, but
0: And you're a college student. Yeah. It might uh, might be some profiling going on there.
8: Yeah, and even then, they they just give me a hard time when I, like, assuming I don't have a backpack. They're like, well, if you're not going to buy anything, why are you here? And I'm like, I'm killing time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So it sounds like you're not going to be too upset now that Toys R Us is going away. By the way, public service announcement to all of you. If by any chance you have Toys R Us gift cards that you have not redeemed, you should stop watching this show right now. I'm not exaggerating. You should stop watching right now and go and redeem those gift cards because generally what happens when a company goes into bankruptcy is the customers are the last people to be taken care of. It's the debtors who get any payouts that come. And there's already word circulating online that best that these uh, gift cards may be worth zilch. In, in, in fact, like on Monday. So if you have a Toys R Us gift card just sitting in your wallet, or someone gave you one for a gift or whatever, you should go immediately and go buy something with that card because, like, starting tomorrow, it may be worth nothing. So, but anyway, yeah, so I it, saw it, that. So it seems like you won't be too upset at Toys R Us going away. You don't think you'll miss the brick and mortar experience? It sounds like your brick and mortar experiences have been terrible.
8: Yeah, like, even despite that, I much prefer it over online because I do most of my pre orders with Amazon and they've been really hit or miss over here because like i said it's a small town and the the post office here is just so weird they they make their people park on the street and walk to deliver the mail
1: wow
8: oh my god it doesn't come till like five o'clock
1: wow um
8: when i pre-order things it's always (laughs) shot it's a gamble of whether or not i'll actually get it on release day sometimes like, most recently, Mario Odyssey, I was I pre-ordered that, like, a month in advance, and they, they didn't ship it until, like, the day before, and that was from California. And they, I called them, like, hey, I was promised this would be here on Friday, and they're like, it'll be here by, by Tuesday. I'm like, no, that's not going to do it. I canceled it, and I went to, drove, like, 40 minutes out to Best Buy the next day to get it.
0: I I love your dedication, though, man. Like, I love... I actually kind of (laughs) like those wild goose chases to find a game um, going from store to store. It does get a little annoying at a certain point where you're just like, oh, man, I've just burned two hours trying to find this game. But if it ends in you actually finding the game, it can be awesome. When you get that moment of triumph where you walk into the door of a store and you say do you have super mario odyssey and they're like yeah we have two left that feeling you get in your heart at that moment is so awesome it almost makes like the hassle of trying to find it all worth it in the end
8: yeah like one last thing before i let you go like it's always a gamble like i said but sometimes they just deliver early you Yeah. Know, like they even Randomly, sometimes
9: it happens like yeah. an
8: xbox one x early they're like they shipped it like a week early, and it got here the day before it's supposed to come out. So it's really a gamble. <laughs> it absolutely is. And so. you know, it
0: used to be awesome with Amazon's old policy where you could get new games like for $20 off if you pre-ordered them. But then they changed the policy so that you basically can't wait for the reviews to decide whether you want to buy it now. They basically bumped it up, and you have to pre-order way earlier now. Um, so you're buying blind a lot of times on Amazon when you're pre-ordering, whereas with the old policy, you could get that $20 off knowing whether the game was good or not. So that's kind of a shame. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, man, have a great St. Patrick's Day. Thanks for calling in. I believe you're a new caller, so thanks for getting involved.
8: Yeah, I am new. Um, thanks for having me. We're here every Saturday at 1 p.m. Pacific. Come back next week. Yeah, I will. Thank you. All right. Have a nice day. Yep, you too. Take care. See ya.
0: All right, great calls around the house on THS today. Another great episode. Uh, let's switch topics. Um, I think we've lamented the demise of Toys R Us, and in all, in a lot of cases, brick and mortar and retail uh, ad nauseum at this point. So let's move on. Next, we're going to talk about something that we uh, discussed on Game Face yesterday with Colin Moriarty. And that is a game called Omega Labyrinth uh, being banned in the UK. Um, Look, like I said on Game Face last night, I know that you guys are into these games. Whether you actually buy them or not, who knows, but you guys like to watch media and trailers for it, uh, or for them. Um, we're talking about a lot of JRPGs from small publishers, uh, like Arc System Works or Inti Creates. These little guys uh, that put out these sexy Japanese games that a lot of times border on I don't even know what the word to use. you got to be very careful with your language when you're talking about stuff like this. But I guess the best way to describe it is a lot of times the girls in the games look like they're way too young to be sexualized. And the UK this week has agreed or has decided that Omega Labyrinth is one of those games that it feels it sexualizes girls that look way too young. Um, how do you guys feel about this? Do you guys buy these games? And if you do, why do you buy them? Um... This may be a hard topic to get people to call in about. I totally realize it, because a lot of people may not want to admit that they play these games or they care about these games. Uh, here's Kirill Nico calling in. What's up, Kirill? How's it going, man? Welcome to THS. Hope you're having a good St. Patrick's Day.
9: Yeah, you too. Uh, great St. Patrick's Day. Although I don't drink yet. I have a shift as well. So um, so on Omega Labyrinth specifically, I played the Japanese version of the game okay. briefly, and uh, it's a good JRPG. The issue with that is when you have uh, sort of a more conservative uh, people in charge of, let's well, in US it's like FCC or FTC or whoever, or ASRB, for example, they tend to not like those games, even though there's no harm in them technically. People try to, you know, harangue about, like, oh, it's sexist or whatever. Not necessarily. It depends on the title itself. Like, there are there are Japanese games that actually are very sexist, and there are games that are, you know, less. I, for example, I'm a, specifically a fan of Neptunia, uh, Neptunia franchise, hyper-dimensional uh-huh. uh, Neptunia. Yep. And, you know, look, there's occasional panty shots in the game, but it's, very tame. It's not over-sexualized. So, I'm personally okay with that. My I girlfriend, also, I would argue she's also that, okay with that.
0: <laughs> I would also, that's most, most important, right? I would also argue that the Neptunia games, the girls look like they're of age. They don't look to be like they're 12 or 13 years old. This game, Omega Labyrinth, that we're seeing right now, some of these girls definitely do not look like they should be put in some of these positions that they're put in. Some of them do, some of them don't, though.
9: Well, those games in Japan are I like this girl 16. right here
0: that girl right there that I've just paused on the screen she has she is holding a teddy mm-hmm. bear she's holding a teddy bear to me that is that's egregious I mean no mm-hmm. adult woman has a teddy bear you're basically gaslighting well. there. this girl is underage the girl's got a teddy bear What? No girl past the age of eight has a teddy bear. Even eight, I think, is pushing it. That to me is is egregious and and wrong. I don't care what culture you're from, that that to me is wrong.
9: Well, I mean, consider the fact that age of consent in Japan is about like ten or fourteen. Yeah, it's a wait 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 wait
0: wait. wait, wait. Let's stop right there. There's a big difference. (laughs) First of all, fourteen is way too young. But we need to get that right. There's a big difference between ten. And
9: 14 um, oh absolutely I'm not look I'm not suggesting anything else I'm just saying there is a culture of differences that a lot of is. people don't get but here's the thing banning the product if it's not available for purchase like let's say I can go probably and buy this game with English subtitles or any other subtitles uh, on like play Asia or something right but if it's not available then there becomes a problem so Again, if the game is deemed to be okay for uh, to sell in other nation, uh, other regions, then what's stopping you know to buy those games in our region and just import them? So it's very local and very dumb issue in the first place. Well, then, well look, there is look
0: when you, when you import a game, there's a barrier of entry to there. One, you're going to pay way more for the game. Two, it's a hassle to find a place. I, mean, I don't know where you live, but even in the U.S. It's a hassle to import games from Japan. They cost way more. You have to find some little dinky website that you may or may not even trust to to give your credit card number to. Um, there are kind of barriers there that would deter people, except for the most determined, that would deter most people from buying those games. So I don't know if it's just if it's fair to just say, well, you know, it's not that big a deal. I can import it. It is kind of a big deal to Im- to import stuff. It's not just like going to Amazon and just clicking a link and, and next thing you know it's at your door.
9: Well, I mean, a lot of websites, like, again, I'm not trying to advertise anything, but, like, PlayAsia does this stuff and they're pretty reputable and, like, they, no, no, Play they actually... great. You're absolutely right. They're yeah, great. Yeah. yeah, and they making their money off, the, off those games, specifically this one as well, because I believe that one has uh, English subtitles. Um but in general, uh, like, banning games just because it's just... I mean, yeah, it is suggestive, but here's oh, the I thing. I mean, this game is more He's, than suggestive. I mean. Well, yeah. The, the, look, look at the title itself. Omega spells in, a, like, a chest. Like boobs, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and it's the main point of the game because they want to, you know, grow up and stuff. Well, in mean, this specific region, at least. But the thing is, it's a... I mean, it's one of those things where... Uh, I think a lot of the laws are very too stringent because you don't have explicit material there. Yeah, there's no nudity. To, well, there's no nudity, yeah, right. And there's not even, like, suggested material... Towards like this specific character, like there's no, I don't know, uh, explicit panty shots where she's like naked and only panties. None of that stuff happens. Well, while you, while this you,
0: while you were saying that, I don't know if you're actually watching the stream. You're probably on a little bit of a delay. But while you were saying that, there was a shot on the screen of boobs with what looks like a phallic symbol in between the boobs. So I don't know. Yeah, if that's
9: you're that, yeah, that's a, that that's a microphone because they're pretty, singing. That's pretty suggestive, <laughs> don't you think? Well, it is, but it's the point of the game it's actual mechanic, right, but here's the thing it's, <laughs> doesn't make it doesn't the characters that are uh aged, shall we say there because this specific character that we're showing on the screen now is she is like you know well, not that one, but the other one <laughs>
0: See, but that's what you're saying it's like not this one,
9: but that <laughs> yeah. one <laughs> yeah, so there's a context that matters, plus a lot yeah. of them uh what is it sixteen, and they change in localization to like you know be. Uh, something above that and you see the same pattern in like anime for example where you have like a loli type character, but they so in localization they are sort of you know all they're like 18 or something and I mean no one really bets an eye on that, but when it's a game Then it becomes the problem for some reason even though Arguably anime is way more explicit than this one
0: it, so, a lot of it is know. yeah I mean I think yeah uh, also I think that this is just anecdotal evidence on my part, but personally, I think that games are imported a lot more than anime is imported. But on the flip side of that, anime is much easier to share because it's just a video file. So you could upload it to YouTube or whatever and and there it is. Um, but I, I agree. I mean, look, there's anime that's far worse than pretty much any video game has ever been released. But... Uh, and maybe it is a little selective that people are going after games um, instead of banning anime. But to be per- perfectly honest with you, I have no idea if some anime is banned in the
9: UK. Do you? Uh, to my knowledge, they ban a few things, but it's like uh, very, very, very bad stuff. It's like like rapey, like actual yeah. rapey stuff. So or like tentacle yeah. stuff. Um, <laughs> uh, not. Uh-huh. That's I'm not, not okay. Sure. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, I mean. You have an internet. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But then again, is it worse than what we have in a lot of uh, sort of mainstream games where you also have nudity? Is it worse than uh, Mass Effect where you have like a male nudity or a female nudity? Is that any different? I I think it is absolutely different. And uh, I
0: I absolutely think it is worse. Yes. I I think uh, making... Here's the problem. When you start releasing stuff like this, or consuming stuff like this, it normalizes it. It makes it, for some people, it, it gives them an excuse to say, oh, this is okay. I saw this in a video game. And there's this video game from Japan where there's 12-year-old girls who don't have any clothes on. So that makes it okay for me to look at it. I mean, look. Oh, you aver- mean like a...
9: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: The yeah. average person I, isn't going to look at it that way. Yeah. The average person is going to say, that's insane. But there are people out there who will see a game like this and say, oh, there's a video game that sexualizes girls this young, then maybe it's not so bad. And it emboldens those people to believe something that's absolutely insane. And that, to me, is why they're dangerous. And look, I don't like censorship in any form. But to me, there's a difference between censorship and protection. And to me, games like this, there's so many other JRPGs that are sexy that don't have girls that appear to be 10 and 12 years old in them and those games are fine i'm not into them some people may be i don't begrudge people who are into them provided the girls at least appear to be adults but when you start getting into this territory where you know you have pre-teens being sexualized i think that's a problem and i don't even consider it censorship i consider it sort of protection not just for the general public but i think you're keeping creeps from kind of going over the edge a little bit and that's not and it's not just games it could be anime it could be movies it could be anything mm-hmm. but i think yes. when you normalize that sort of thing it emboldens people who are kind of on the fringe and may give them the motivation that they need to go over the top and do something awful in real life and so to me this game in particular i would not care at all if this game were banned in the united states it, it wouldn't bother me one bit because there's ten, there's tons of other games like it like uh The Senran Kagura franchise It's just as sexy (laughs) But most of the women in it are blatantly adults And uh, so I don't see I don't see a need for this game And I don't see any good that this game is going to do to our society Or in all honesty For game players Because they're also not great RPGs They're very run-of-the-mill games So uh, that's just my perspective
9: Well, uh, I, I would... Uh, well, let us let me preface that. I was talking about specifically nudity and all of the explicit material. Not necessarily like a pedophilic uh, nature of some of that content. Although, again, different, slightly different culture there. In terms of like uh, one of the guys in the chat said, are these games socially acceptable in Japan? Yes, they are. Um, and it's, again, different culture. But specifically in regards to what you said about how it's sexualizing kids i mean we already have that stuff uh last year i mean we have a lot of people uh, from the mainstream well sort of mainstream journalists like salon uh kotaku all of those guys were writing articles how uh i don't watch tv but there's a certain show on us tv that sexualizes a little boy basically he you know walks with a gag or some other stuff it's What? (laughs) I mean, maybe I'm from a different culture, but it's very, sort of very, not disgusting, but creepy in a way, but, I mean, we kind of, we have that already, so, without those games.
0: That doesn't so, make it okay, I mean, it's, though. It's, that, that, that's not oh, a I, valid I, excuse. I, that. I
9: absolutely agree. Yes, yes. does not make, it, it, make it, okay. it okay. Just
0: because someone else is doing but, something doesn't mean that it's okay for you to do it, no matter what you're talking about. I mean, it's the old adage of if someone jumped off a bridge, would you jump off a bridge? I mean, it's that... Well, that that <laughs> argument to me doesn't hold a lot of weight, but well,
9: depends what is beneath the bridge. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I will say uh, I have jumped off a lot a... of bridges into water, but uh, I think you get what I was well, trying to yeah, say. Well, that,
9: yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, uh, but here's the thing about the like Senghorong Kagura, for example. None of those game, like a lot of the girls there, there's like 16 explicitly. None of them are like below that, in because I I actually have the game and yeah. it's pretty fun. But the thing is, in American version of that, or European version, they age them up. Do so they change their
0: character I models, know, or is it just them saying that they're uh, older?
9: Just older. It's like Tifa from Final Final Fantasy VII, for example. Okay. Uh, she's technically, what is it, 16, 14, something like that, or 15 and they age her up until, like, uh, what was it, 17, 18, whatever.
0: But again, it's do the they, they actually change the character model to make the character look older, or do they just have text that says, she's 18?
9: Well, uh, I mean, I'm not sure how exactly they would do that, because they have, like, a... But you ha- you no, said you have I mean, those games. No. Yeah, 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 Well, they, they basically... They don't age them in terms of, like, a model. Okay, so they only, have the same you know, character same model. Text. They just tell you that they're but older. But then again, like... They, I mean, they have like double Ds. Like, uh, where exactly gonna edge them up? Like, height maybe? At that? Well, I mean, there's certain facial
0: features that that help sort of determine how old a character is in a game. I mean, I mean, by that logic, you could say, well, how old is Nathan Drake? Then he's ten. Like, no, you can make a character look (laughs) older in a video game, especially in 2018.
9: but or then, how about just not carrying that,
0: around a teddy bear how about that i mean that is that one we can agree agree with not having a teddy well, bear
9: i mean a lot of girls actually like when they 20s because my girlfriend carries yeah she should sure teddy bear <laughs> uh but you know it depends on the person i would say maybe not in a maybe not a appropriate for a game because it's a more, much broader uh stereotype but Moai character, they always do that stuff, and a lot of uh, like again anime character, because all that is based in anime for the most part. It is this. absolutely, all of, yeah, yeah, and it's a stereotype to, You know, you have a loli character that might be like a hundred or thousands years old or something, and they care like Teddy Bear or something, which is, you know, what are you gonna do with that?
0: Well, if they, but, but again, they appear to be a hundred years old, so you just kind of. Craft on your prior argument that how do you make a character look older in a video game? You can't do that. You absolutely can. So you just make the character look older. I
10: well, mean, if there's I mean, a well, geriatric
0: the... woman holding a teddy bear. No one's gonna care. But when you draw a character no, no, to make her they, look, they look like, like she's like twelve girls, and she has a teddy bear, uh, I don't know.
9: No, no. I'm talking about like uh, characters that carry teddy bear. They're like vampire or whatever, and they're like lowly type character. Right. Like visually, visual-wise. And, I mean, this is the the issue that was brought up numerous times. It's the same thing again and again and again. It's about who's going to buy those games. And you're absolutely correct. Some people are creepy who who buying those games, but not all of them. No, no, I, mean, I don't think that fun they are. R- they're fun RPGs. Yeah. Well, some all of them. but some. Yeah. <laughs> this one, eh, kind of okay It's a, you know, it's a dungeon crawler stuff. Yeah. Um, but some of them, like we had, a, was it Stella Glow uh, yeah. for 3DS? The same, exact same concept. Well, they're like 14, 15, but they are sort of sexualized because they have, a ex- well, not explicit, but they have a specific characteristics of mature characters. And so you got to realize that banning those games, A, will not solve the problem for those creeps, or, you know, pedophiles, whatever you want to call them, because they you know, they're gonna buy those games.
0: Yeah, but look, Gene, if, uh, if they buy them, there's a there's a trail there. You can see that they use their credit card to buy it at this website. If you're selling them in stores, they can walk in with cash, you never even know who buys them.
9: Well, that's true, but... Uh, well, that's the second part of my uh, answer here, is because who's gonna carry them? Are those games like... I haven't seen GameStop carrying a lot of uh, previous Center on Kagura games. Or they might have one copy. <laughs> it's just you know, it's one of those things that like a lot of retail stores they will not carry that stuff, especially explicitly Japanese games. Oh, well, you can buy them in most online
0: retailers. retailers. They sell them. Um, well, they, they but may, may not,
9: not be in cash. They may so not have very pay- big runs, it's right? Again, you're you're
0: buying something where someone can track it. Um, but they a lot of times these games only have runs of like twenty five thousand copies in the U S. or whatever. Um, well, and look from exactly. that angle. From a certain, like a collector's angle, some of these games that aren't egregious, like this one, I can understand some people buying them because ultimately they may be worth oh, yeah. like a lot of money someday. Um, when you're only create, oh. when you're only publishing twenty-five thousand copies of a game, ultimately that game is probably going to be worth some money if you don't take uh, the shrink wrap off of it. So that, from that angle, like I get it. Like some people just like to collect games mm-hmm. to complete their collection on whatever platform they have, or they like to collect games as an investment that maybe they can cash in later on. I get that part of it, but there's enough of those games already that we, in my opinion, we don't need this one.
9: Well, I mean, we'll see. Uh, I don't think ESRB yet chimed in on this specific game. I... No, it uh, did. I it believe actually... It... Has,
0: it, oh, really? ESRB already rated it as Rated M. It did not oh. give it an AO. Oh, wow. Well, yeah. yeah. It's coming well, out in the US. I mean, it, is, it is coming out here. It's not being oh, banned yeah, in the US. Yeah.
9: Uh, I think Australia have done the game.
0: <laughs> Australia did, uh, the UK those, did, and I think maybe... No, I think those are the two. Yeah, so... Well, listen, so, thanks for your call, yeah. man. I want to try to get somebody else in on this, but that was a great yeah, discussion. Yeah, and I'm glad you called because you like these games. I didn't know if I'd be able to get somebody yeah. in here who would be like, I like these, and would kind of maybe stand up for them a little bit. So, thank you very much for calling in, man. I really appreciate
9: it. Yeah. Okay. Have, right, a, have a great... A, day. Have a great
0: day. All right, we got David Collier in. I had a feeling we might get a lot of calls on this one, and not not just because of the, the content that's in the games, just because this is a controversial topic, and there's a lot of people out there who really like Japanese games, um, and so I thought we might get a lot of calls. Hey, welcome to THS, David. Is this your first time on the show?
10: Yeah, it is, Shane. Yeah, hi. Um, I, I just wanted to say, really, that um, I've got no problem whatsoever with the UK banning this. This is gross. It's... It, it it fails, well by the look of it, it fails pretty much as a game. It looks like the most bulk standard gen generic JRPG ever. It, it just. What not, I guess my and, question is like, what what purpose does it
0: serve? What value does it have? Like, if it were a great but, JRPG, then I mean maybe I'd be a little more forgiving. Probably not. But at least it has some semblance of value as art. But. To me, I, I struggle to see any reason why this game would be allowed to be sold in the U.S. or anywhere for that matter. I struggle to see the value of it being created in the first place.
10: I... Well, that's it. I mean, the, the argument there, isn't it? It's about uh, does it have any artistic merit? And, yeah. well, I mean, I've not played it, so it, right. it, maybe it's... Neither some have I. I. I've
9: watched a lot
0: of media for it, but I have not personally played it. And I'm sure, actually, if you play the game, it's probably... A really long JRPG that runs like 30 hours and probably all the scenes that are in these trailers make up like 15% of the total playtime where you actually play the game. I may be wrong. It may be 90% of this stuff and 10% RPG. I don't know. I'm just guessing based upon my experience with prior games like this one. But I I struggle to see any reason why a game like this should be released anywhere.
10: No, no, I mean, I, I, I'm not a prude. I've got nothing wrong. Or there's nothing against having sexy content in a game or whatever. Yeah. Um, but the bit that bothers me is it's how clearly underage those, you know, characters are. And okay, it might be perfectly fine and acceptable in Japan for children of 13. And we are talking about children when we're talking uh, about 13 olds as far absolutely. as I'm
9: concerned.
0: I agree with you a thousand percent. That might be
10: That might be perfectly fine there. It is not fine where I live. Yeah, I don't live in Japan.
0: Like, (laughs) hey, Japan can do their thing. I don't live there. So, if I live there, I would probably be like, hey, this is the culture here. I need to learn to deal with it. It's just the way it is. I chose to move here. I don't live in Japan. I live in the United States of America. I'm guessing you live in Europe. And I feel like we do have the right to kind of stand up and say, where do we want to draw the line in the sand for our society? And This is where, to me, with games, I want to draw a line in the sand. I really don't want to see games like this released in the U.S. Um, Like I said, with the prior caller, there are a lot of games that are just as sexy as this game. But the girls are obviously of age. They're at least women. Um, I mean, basically, this game, at least half of the cast are, like, prepubescent. To me, that is where you got to draw the line. Um, And again, I hate censorship. I don't want anything to be censored. But there's no artistic value to this whatsoever. It does nothing but, in my opinion, just offend me. So
10: it's tough. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the perception as well, isn't it? Because games like this get traction, and they get, you know, noticed by people that wouldn't normally pay any attention to games. That is a great, great
0: point, is that it makes our industry look terrible. It gives fodder to people who say games are trash games have no artistic merit games aren't art as a lot of people in the art world tend to say that games aren't art this is the ammunition this gives them ammunition to make that argument against games as art and also an argument to say hey maybe games are warping our society in some way with all the recent stuff that's been going on that is the last thing that we need
10: yeah exactly. you know it 's one of those things if you want to have that argument you know m- games are mature enough, and there are, and therefore we want to deal and tackle difficult uh, topics and we want sex in our games and we want violence in our games and so on and so forth, and we want to be respected by people who perhaps don 't necessarily partake. Um, It does us no favor whatsoever to stand behind stuff like this and you know make it make a stand on this point you know what this this is not a hill worth dying on no that's a a great way to put
0: it it is not a hill worth dying on you're right this is absolutely the last game that you want to stand up for and say hey you're messing with our industry this is not the one definitely not this is the one that you want to brush under the rug and hope nobody ever
10: sees it yeah, exactly. And okay, you kind of get the argument about censorship, and perhaps maybe it's heavy-handed that it's actually been fully outright banned in the UK. Um, but yeah, is it censorship if what you're really looking at is terrible? If, if I if I don't put shit in a sandwich, am I censoring my taste buds? Because that, <laughs> that's what we're doing here. We're talking about crap, aren't we? It looks yeah. like a fairly generic humdrum game. Yeah. It's full of rather offensive content. It's not censorship to say, you know, I don't want anything to do with this. The same goes with that uh, really creepy uh, super seducer as well. Same thing. Exactly the same principle. It's just not censorship for not selling it to stand up and turn around and say, you know what? We're all better than this. At the bottom. Let's just not even bother. Yeah, base
0: level, you're right. We're better than this. This isn't, there's no reason for this to exist. So why does it exist? And why does somebody care that it doesn't exist? That's what I want to know. And I want to make sure I do yeah. not know those people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, listen, man, great call. Uh, you kind of provided the counterpoint to our prior caller. Between the two of you guys, I think we did a great job on this topic, man. Great call today. Thanks for calling in. Thanks for coming in for your first time. And for that, I think I might have to give you a hadouken. There you oh, go, awesome. man.
10: Thanks. Have yourself. Cheers, him.
0: Yep. Have a great St. Patty's Day, man.
10: Cheers, him. Bye. All right.
0: All right, so I think we've covered that topic pretty extensively. OTAPS is trying to get in, but I think we're going to move on from that one. We're, we're running out of time here. We only got about 30 minutes left, and I have two more topics that I want to get to here. So apologies, OTAPS. I see you calling in here, but uh, we're going to move on. Um, the next thing we're going to talk about is, and this is funny, this is kind of taking myself to task here a little bit. Um, The next topic I wanna talk about is things that journalists care about that you could care less about. (laughs) So what are things about games or related to the gaming industry that journalists, myself included, or Matt or anybody else, tends to dwell on or make a big deal out of that you could just not give two squirts a you-know-what about? Uh, What are the things between journalists and consumers where you you draw the line and you say oh my gosh they go on and on about this or they go on and on about that and I just do not care about it at all we got sifted Mitch calling back in let's see what what he what he says what's up Mitch welcome back
6: brother hey thanks now, I, now I know you're, you' like you're to have che- new people, but I wanted to sneak in <laughs> it's
0: okay you're you're cheating a little bit because you do actually create original content around video games, right I do, yeah, um, so you're kinda of, you kind of have your toe in both right you're you're a yeah. consumer, but you also are kind of an aspiring content creator,
6: yeah. Um, and I think the my take is a little bit different because of my age. Okay. Um, most of the journalists um, played in an age where I didn't have an opportunity to play in, uh, in that type of age of game. So, an example like uh, I I my first console was a a PlayStation. Okay. So, like, I played, my first game to ever play was Resident Evil. Like, my dad had wow. me play, I always remembered. <laughs> I you went from zero around. to 100 real fast. <laughs> <laughs> I did. It was, it was like, um, oh, God, I always remembered because I couldn't, oh, geez, he came me the controller once and said, here, give it a shot. A zombie's chasing me, and, of course, they're going super slow, and I'm trying to get to the door, and I can't figure out which button is to open the door, and I die. <laughs> and my dad just laughs at me, going, like, you're so dumb.
0: <laughs> well, you're also pretty young right and you were just playing video games for the first time it's like what are you gonna do
6: yeah and so because of that like i didn't grow up on some of the some of the older games that are being mentioned a lot so like the classics that i don't haven't had the opportunity to play that people hold their heads on really big especially in with journalists um because those are the games they grew up with those are the games that inspire them those are the games that make them feel if they play another game. Like an example, like Breath of the Wild. A lot of people were mentioning, like, this game brought them back. Or Mario, R. maybe I should say Super Mario Odyssey brought them back to how they remembered Mario when they played it. But it's like, I didn't play it, like, I didn't, I didn't experience that when right. I was younger. Yeah, so yeah you have get... a different
0: perspective on it, yeah.
6: So, so you're saying have...
0: that you have a kind of a disconnect with people like me, honestly, who are a little older and kind of look at things a little differently because they played games so long ago and they have a longer history with them.
6: Yeah, and, and it's, and, it's I, and I really, the big thing I really try to when I talk to people and then when I do my content too is I really try to just break it down to the actual, like, thing and rather not relate it to something else. And if I do relate it to something else, it has something to do with either, like, the actual content itself. So, like an example for like Bayonetta, I talked for a second about like how they took a certain game that mechanics so of Bayonetta. They took Hideki Kamiya took, um, what do you take? Like he took Devil May Cry. He took that style of combat, puts it into the game. But I still explain what that combat truly is and put it on that merit, not on the merit of, oh, Devil May Cry was a great game, and so this combat is just as great. If gotcha. that makes sense. No, it totally
0: makes sense. Um, and again, as someone who is a little older and has played games for a really long time, it's not even something I would consider. And I don't know if it's fair for me to consider it. I mean, before I start discussing a topic on Game Face or, or here or wherever, is it even right for me to think about, hey, what would younger people think about this? Or Because then I'm trying, to, I'm almost being like an actor at that point, right? I'm trying to be somebody who I'm not. And I'm trying to imagine what that person might think or say um, instead of just giving you my real take on it from my perspective. And I think, honestly, maybe this is why YouTubers have really exploded uh, and influencers have really exploded is because they're younger and maybe the younger audience can relate to them more because they don't, they don't get old fogies like me saying <laughs> <laughs> saying well I remember back in the Atari 2600 era or I remember when I had the Sega Master System or in a lot of cases even talking about like the Dreamcast at this point is, uh, is like oh wow he's old he had a Dreamcast when it came out so um, I think at least from my perspective I'm kind of caught in a catch 22 because I do want to make sure that my commentary is something that provides value to people of all ages but In some cases it really doesn't Because I can have not lived Like your your first console was PlayStation 1, that was like my 20th Or whatever at that point So I can't just uh, Forget everything I've learned Or experienced and kind of Delete it out of my commentary It just doesn't work, but maybe what that says is Is that to be smart You need to have maybe someone Who's a little younger as a part of your content Team so that you have someone for those people To relate to
6: Maybe that, and I, I'd say maybe the bigger thing is just not using that as your base. Right. As your base of your argument. Yeah. Like, the reason why I, I, I I mean, you're a person I look up to and you do really great with your stuff is because you don't use that as your base. Yeah. You're not the, you're not, you don't use that as the key component. You actually truly explain of where that came from and why is it important to the actual game that you're relating it to and now, rather than just saying, oh, it just it feels like this. And it's like, well, I don't know what that feels like.
0: <laughs> I will I will say that now going forward, there's going to be this thing in the back of my mind where I'm always, <laughs> I'm not kidding. I mean, maybe after a couple months, I'll get over it and I'll forget about it. But I w- it is something that I will keep in mind now when, with everything I do with the site. Like, is this something that the younger gamers can relate to, something that they're interested in? And when I discuss things on Game Face, I'll kind of have that in the back of my mind of, okay, you know, at least using them, because Matt and I do talk about legacy consoles a lot. We kind of try to relate our experiences with those older consoles to what's happening now. Uh, maybe when we do that, we should have this context in mind and uh, try to maybe think about our younger viewers, our younger audience a little bit more. I appreciate that. Something
6: really curious for for maybe something you look into, because I'm not sure. Uh, because I, right now, I'm 24, going turning 25 next month. Yep. And so... I'm curious, because when I grew up, that's when Game Trailers was really starting to hit its stride, and I found you guys somehow. I can't remember how, but um, I'm curious if that my age is kind of the the end-term limit of... Kind of the current user base on Sifted. I wonder what the average—not saying that old people aren't fun. You guys are great. I love <laughs> talking to you guys. You have great conversations. <laughs> but I'm just uh, curious. That's hilarious. I <laughs> know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> kind of like the average age, ages for you guys, because we I have mean, no I idea, honestly, Sifted. because we don't we don't take any personal
0: information from our subscribers that's when right. they sign up. Uh, we don't have any of that stuff. All that stuff. All the people who are still on our old uh, subscription system that's on Braintree, we don't even have access to any of their data. It's all living on Braintree servers, which is good because their whole job is protecting it and they do a really good job of it. So we honestly have no idea what the median age is. Like we can look at demographics on, uh, on like Google Analytics and look at the data for our YouTube stuff. Um, and I will say our YouTube stuff, the uh, median age is 31. So... I think no matter what, our audience trends a little bit older. But honestly, that's all been by design. I mean, from the day Sifted launched, I, I mean, you could still go back and look at like our Facebook page. And like our tagline is kind of like a curated content community for adult gamers who want you know, a more sophisticated community to be a part of. So uh, that has been by design from the beginning. Um, but I don't think that mature is necessarily an age. Um, You're a mature guy. You're 24 going on 25. But, you know, if people couldn't see you right now and you were just talking, I don't think they'd have any idea how old you were because you speak much older than your age. And to me, saying a mature community isn't about like it's a bunch of old people age wise. It's people who act like adults and don't act like the typical Internet rabble. Um, and so there's, you know, there's different perspectives on age. It's not just a number or how many days you've been on this earth. A lot of it is about how you act and how you carry yourself. So. Yeah. Well, listen, great comment. You just gave me, you just flipped my brain inside out (laughs) and gave me a whole new perspective on our business and sifted in general and how we do commentary on the site. And honestly, maybe. Thinking about getting some people involved with Sifted in an official capacity that could relate to the younger audience a little more. So thank you so much, man. Great call. I'm glad you called back in.
6: Yeah, I just got to tell you one quick thing really quick. So okay. you know, I did the unboxing video, and I talked about this real cool hat that I found. Yeah, yeah. You know, how many, how many people have came up to me and asked, what the heck does the question mark mean?
4: Really? Like, I'm
6: so surprised. I probably, oh, God, I wore it twice, two days. And I think <laughs> I ran into five people at least said, what is the heck is the question mark? And then actually three out of the five people uh both of those days actually knew when I showed them under the flip bolt that it was Metal Gear Solid.
9: Wow. I was super
4: surprised.
6: That's it great, man. was like a man. random guy at the grocery store and something like that, but, oh. Uh,
4: well,
0: I, I hope I, you're I, cool I with it. I hat. hope you're not now like pissed off that we sent it to you and like these <laughs> random people are just coming up to you bothering the crap out of you or whatever.
6: No, it's an awesome conversation starter. I, I like it a lot. So I, I just had to throw that in there because uh, I found that hilarious. I was just like, wow, I did not expect that.
0: <laughs> Great, man. Well, as long as you like it, then I feel okay with it. If you were telling me, man, I'm so sick of people coming up to me and bothering me, then i feel bad. <laughs> but uh, sounds like it's worked out to the good. It's a good conversation starter.
6: Yeah, it works perfect.
0: All right, brother. Have a good St. Patty's Day. Yeah, you too. Take it easy. All right, let's get let's get a couple more calls about this. I'm sure a lot of you guys have pet peeves with games. Look, I know a lot of you guys hate games journalists. There's tons of people out there that do not like games journalists, do not like how they approach games. Um, just last week, one of the comments on Game Face was, "I'm I'm so sick of how negative this show is," um, and I have a feeling it was a Nintendo fan who was a little upset that. Uh, That we were not over the moon over the uh, latest Nintendo Direct. And in general, I mean, I I don't want to stereotype. But usually when we have those types of people on Sifted, they're usually Nintendo fans who have issues admitting that Nintendo does anything wrong whatsoever. Uh, All right, we got Raphael Michael calling in. What's up, Raphael? Welcome to THS, man. What drives you crazy about game journalists?
3: Um, hi there, Shane. Um, just a quick thing. Oh, there you are. Um, yeah, because it, there, there's a certain delay with the Twitch stream, so I have to, like, 40 seconds, right? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, you, so you can hear me, uh, though. You should be able to hear me through Skype in real time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Okay. That's, uh, I, I can hear you clearly. Um, uh, but the other person just said, uh, what's his nickname? Uh, I didn't get that at first. Mitch. Anyways, so never... Mitch is Mitch. his name. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So um, he pretty much covered everything I would have said on the topic. But uh, again, like, journalists at at this uh, point in time, like, uh, they have gained quite, uh, quite an experience with games. They've played tons and tons of games. Uh, uh, there's also uh, genre fatigue for some of them because they've kept playing the same thing over and over and over again. And uh, at this point, they may review, because primarily when, uh, when I'm thinking about journalists, I'm thinking about the games they review, um, and reviews in general. So I'm thinking they review these games for, for people that are the same age with them because they, they relate to their personal experience. They, they, uh, they are subjective about it. And reviews in general are quite subjective um and uh, whereas uh, a reviewer may may always um um i don't know um uh, it is uh, it's keeping the word um it may uh, be rough on, uh, it may be harsh on a game because uh, it's uh too repetitive or nothing interesting happens immediately you see this thing is because they don't really have the time so as as an adult you you you're not kidding anymore and you're you do not have that much free time to just tinker with one game and turn it on all faces and take your time and discover all these things they uh, they um, they really uh, really judge a game uh by by uh, this uh, element um so time, time is another time is is another factor. Whether uh, the time, uh, whether the game respects the um, uh, the time of the player or not.
0: So, so you're basically calling me out for not being a fan of Bloodborne and Dark Souls. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, because like I'm, I'm, I'm just joking. I never, I do say yeah, that all I'm the time not... about those games. Though I say, I yeah, say yeah, that it, yeah, I don't yeah, feel yeah. like it respects the
3: time of the player. Yeah. I I can agree with you on that because uh, personally I don't like games like that. I, oh, okay. I just want to have a, a good time. They are they they seem kind of developed to be to be frustrating. So no, uh-huh. I, I just want my 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 gaming time because uh, again, like maybe I only get one or two hours uh, a day if I'm lucky to play anything, and I wouldn't want to spend those two hours. Doing the same thing over and over again with no progress. No progress. That. that uh, so at uh, so at this point, it's uh, it's relevant to me if I read or hear in a review that this that this game has this particular uh, thing going on, um, and I may avoid it. But had I been younger, I don't know. Maybe I would have looked at it uh, differently.
0: Here's here's so, a question I have for you. So. I think what what you're getting at is that jur- a lot of journalists are really experienced, and because of that experience, they've played a lot of games a lot of times, and maybe they don't have the patience for games that may be doing the same thing as other games. Is that right? And that you do have patience
3: for that stuff. Uh, I'm I'm not uh, I'm not looking at it as a matter of patience because I know that. The first their review or certain reviewers sign for their game of course they might have like a period of time in which they need to finish their review but they uh, I, I don't necessarily think it's a it's a matter of patience but uh, maybe a constraint to get the uh, the review done in time uh, so well, that, that's
0: kind of a question of patience though because it's not it's it's forced Patience, because you're on a deadline, you know you have to finish the game, so you're impatient by default. It's not that you're choosing to be impatient, it's that you have to be impatient, because you have a deadline to get that review done by. I I get that, I totally do get that, but I think on the flip side, the other way I would look at it is, is like for me personally, I I don't play a lot of uh, 2D platformers anymore, because I've spent my whole life playing them, literally, my whole life playing 2D platformers, and so for... For a 2D platformer to be compelling to me, it really has to do something different or find some kind of a unique twist to it. And I think part of it is getting to know the journalist and knowing, like a lot of people on Sifted know that about me. I've talked about it a bunch of times. I've said, you know, if I ever tell you to check out a 2D platformer, you should really check it out because it's doing something special and it's worth checking out. So I think there's value in both sides, I think there is definitely value in having the perspective of somebody with maybe not as much as experience, and, and I think a lot of people would say not jaded, because I think that's the word that a lot of people use: is oh, that person's jaded because they played so much. It takes a lot to really impress that person, um, and I think there's a fine line between being not jaded, but also having a ton of experience, so that when you come across something that's really, really good. You can share it with the people who are listening to you or, or watching you or whatever And you can really turn those people on to some great games that are going to blow their mind But you're right, it's a very fine line to walk And I think if you don't know the journalist very well It can be very, very difficult to get any value out of their commentary If they are someone who has a lot of experience Because if you're just coming across a review on Metacritic or Game Rankings or whatever you don't know that person. You don't know what their experience is. You don't know what they like or they don't like. And so, from that perspective, I could see where it would be really, really frustrating trying to count that's on. How, is that kind of what you're getting how, at? Uh,
3: yes, you're totally right. And uh, if you, if you don't know the reviewer, that's how all those mean comments like pop up. And uh, you, because uh, again, I've said it before: uh, reviews are subjective, yep. and they. They link a lot to the personality of the reviewer. So, yeah, you have to keep this in mind as well. But, right. um, uh, yeah, yeah.
0: Thank you for your call, man. Great call, great perspective. Let's see, what, what, sound, of, what sound effect can I give you? Are you a fan of any particular <laughs> genre? Uh,
3: Mario. I, I grew up with, with that. And...
0: I just gave you the Mario power-up. Thanks, man. Awesome. Yeah. Ha- thank ha- you. Thank yep. You. Have yourself a great St. Patrick's Day.
3: Thank you. You too.
0: Thanks. All right. Take care. All right. Come on. Unload, people. I know there are more of you who have pet peeves with games, journalists. I know. McWomble's calling, but I want to try to get somebody new in here. No offense, McWomble, but you've been carrying the show for a couple of weeks. Come on. Get off your butts, people. Call in on Skype. It's not going to kill you. You don't have to use video. I know you have a take on this. I know every single one of you watching this, there's something about games journalists that drives you crazy, and it keeps you from being able to relate to them or trusting their opinions. I know you do. There's more than two of you out there in McWomble that have a take on this. So give us a call at Sifted Games on Skype, S-I-F-T-D, G-A-M-E-S. Before I was a games journalist, I think what used to drive me crazy the most, and look, I got into it so early that what drove me the crazy the most was that it just seemed like some of the journalists back then just didn't know what the hell they were talking about. Uh, a lot of times they would say stuff, and I'm like, wait, that's just flat out wrong. And I think that's a baseline you could create. Like, look. The journalist is just giving you stuff that's incorrect or doesn't relate properly to other games, Like that's totally fair, but let's try to go a little bit past that. Like There's something that game journalists do that drives you up a wall that makes you turn away from them or not trust their opinion. Uh, again, McWobbles calling, sorry man, I want to try to get somebody new in here to talk about this. Um, this show is driven by you. If you guys don't call in, there's no show. So get your phone out, download the Skype app, If you can't do it this week, get ready for next week because we're going to do this every Saturday. Although, actually, next Saturday we may not be doing this. We may find another day to do it because it looks like we're going to be recording Pactor Factor episode 100 next Saturday. Um, All right, here's David. David Collier called in before, but let's get him back in here because he is a new guy to the show. What's up, David? What's, What's your take on this?
10: Hey, Shane. What's Uh, going on? Save us all from McWomble again. Yeah. um...
0: (laughs) We, look, we love McWomble, but look, he's been carrying the show. Some of you other guys need to pitch in and help him out here. So thanks for calling in, Dave.
10: (laughs) No worries. I'm I'm Erebus Jones on the site as well. So uh, it's it's always fun to need all McWomble. Erebus Jones. um... Here
0: he is, the infamous Erebus Jones. What's going
10: on? Yeah. It's
0: good to finally put the face to the name after all this time.
10: Yeah, yeah, it's been years, hasn't it? But yeah. um, on the on the subject of uh, journalism, really, um, it, it, it kind of almost goes back to what Mitch was saying. Really, there's not an awful lot that really annoys me, other than this kind of drive towards YouTube being the ultimate, um, you know. Ad the only place where you can really trust opinion now? Because that that seems to be the groundswell now. It seems to be like, well, you can't really trust journalists because they're only in it for the money. Whereas the YouTubers... YouTubers, If if they they only knew
0: what the journalists were paid, they would never say
1: that.
10: (laughs) My first job in San
0: Francisco at GameSpot, I got paid $35,000 a year at GameSpot living in the most expensive city in the United States. Journalists... Do not make... Very much money, no journalists no. really, and game journalists especially
10: no i, I when i was um, when I was eighteen, I guess I did work experience at pc gamer uh-huh. and at that point in time, I was convinced I was going to be a games journalist myself uh-huh. I was working. All hours I could in a, in a local independent game shop, and I was reading everything and writing everything I could, and I was gonna be a games journalist. And going there and spending, uh, you know, a week working with those guys on PC Gamer was a massive eye opener because, <laughs> like you said, that none of them had any money whatsoever, none. Well, they're broke. You know, and, one and,
0: and two, you're dedicating pretty much your entire life to the job. I mean, you're yeah. working, you're in the office for probably sixty hours a week. And then if you want to keep your job, you better believe you're going home and spending the next five or six hours at night playing a game. Um, because yeah. if, if you can't, you can't be on a podcast or you can't write reviews for the site. Um, it's not a glamorous job. I know a lot of people are envious of game journalists because they, a lot of them are just envious because they get games for free, which I totally get. Games are expensive and it's an expensive hobby. That angle I get. Being jealous of the actual job I think you're the perfect example of that. You walked a couple of weeks in their shoes and you're like, well, wait a minute. What am I doing here? These guys are working their butts off and they're dirt poor. I mean, you really have to love games to be a games journalist because if you don't, it will snatch away your love of it, it with a quickness, without a doubt.
10: Yeah, I mean, it worked out for them in the end because, well, I say all of them, but I mean, like I, when I was there, um, Kieran Gillen, Um, was the guy who I, uh, like, uh, spoke to a lot. He was the guy who organized the session Uh, for me. Yeah, I know him,
0: definitely. He's been around for a while. Yeah, and
10: obviously... You know, and he writes Marvel comics now, all the Star Wars yeah. comics and stuff, and a couple of the other guys make games and bits and pieces now. So you kind of still follow them, but at the time they were making no money whatsoever. But just going back to the the journalism point as well, um, the the thing that I always struggle with is um, it's it's just the lack of kind of common history. So being a gamer that grew up in the 80s and early 90s, um, my childhood is all on the commodore 64 the bbc micro you know the acorn electron and stuff like that so i never had any nintendo or even sega consoles really growing up i was probably 13 when i got a hand-me-down master system wow um so you know all of that just doesn't really sit there so people talk about um you know things like uh, the final fantasies or secret of mana or, or you know even mario and all of these things as being really really massive pillar stones in in their gaming Lives and stuff, and it just wasn't for me. Yeah. By the time I was old enough that I could buy my own games and all of that, I'd kind of already developed my own identity, and it was way beyond all of that. So, when you're watching or listening to journalists talking, they always harp back to those points, or you know, they'll bring up those classic games, they'll say about Castlevania or Metroid or Mario Kart and things, and that's just an experience I never had as a kid. Right. And by the time I had had it, it was old hat, so it's just it doesn't work as a frame of reference for me. So I, I wouldn't say that annoys me, because that's not the journalist's fault. But it is something that always goes through my mind when people talk about that, and they get really excited about this. I can't get excited about it, because just, I wasn't there. And when I've tried to be there, it just hasn't really worked for me since.
0: Gotcha. Well, listen, thanks again. Another great call. I'm glad now I know you're Erebus Jones. And I hope you'll <laughs> yeah. come back on the show when we do the next episode. Uh, you, you're, you obviously yeah. have great, uh, great angles and great points. and. Uh, Appreciate you taking the time out of your Saint Patrick's Day night to come on the show.
10: Yeah, I'm only babysitting, so yeah, it's fine.
0: <laughs> you need something to do. Is the kid <laughs> asleep already or something?
10: Yeah, no, he's upstairs sleeping. The wife's out at do, so I'm doing nothing but watching you, so it's all good.
0: All right, man. Well have a great night. A peaceful night. I know that's what you want more than yeah, anything.
10: <laughs> definitely.
0: All right. Cheers take then. care, brother. Have a good Saturday night. Thanks. All Bye. right. All right, so that's going to do it for another episode of today's High Score. Once again, you guys knocked it completely out of the park. Absolutely. I think these are probably the best calls uh, that we've had um, in this show so far. Uh, really thoughtful. I, I also feel like um, in this episode, we got people on who... Can really speak to some of these topics. I think a lot. Of, sometimes when we aren't getting a ton of calls, some of you guys just kind of call in to try to help the show out. Um, but I feel like this time we really got people who were kind of experts on uh, whatever topic they were discussing or uh, genre they were discussing. Like I think it was great that when we talked about like the sexy Japanese games, that we had someone who came on to actually say that they like those games, they enjoy some of those games, and kind of give their perspective on uh, why it's. Uh, it's a big deal to them that these games continue to be released. Not that game in particular, the one that's been banned in the UK, but just that style of games in general. I think it's very easy to often get in your own little bubble and say to yourself, "Oh well, this is just the way it is. Um, and uh, I think it's good to have different perspectives and things like that on, not just games, but in life in general. So it's been another great episode of today's high score. I thank all you guys who are sitting on the stream and watching. Again, I hate that I can't interact with you guys on the stream, but honestly, I'm kind of like uh, the Wizard of Oz sitting here. So I'm having a conversation with you guys, and then I'm running the TriCaster and I'm handling Skype at the same time. And with the TriCaster. I'm rolling in footage of games that you guys are talking about. So I have to go in our database. I have to find footage of the games you're talking about. I have to get it queued up. I have to roll. I have to switch all the graphics and everything. I'm getting better at it, though. Like, um, it is kind of like DJing. and that You learn how to multitask and the timing of everything. Um, and I think the show, the live version of the show, is way better than it was in the first episode. And I won't have to do as much uh, post-production stuff uh, on the episodes as they go along, which is great because the first episode I spent like a day and a half and post-production, trying to get it all ready to go. So, um, yeah, thank you guys for tuning in. Like I said, we may not have a uh, today's high score next Saturday, uh, but I'll be sure to message out to you guys exactly uh, when it will be happening because we got big stuff planned for Michael Pachter's 100th uh, episode. I think you guys are going to like it a lot, um, and I'm pretty excited about it. It's going to be a lot of work. In fact, it's going to take like this whole week to get it done. Uh, those of you who maybe are watching this on YouTube or you're listening to it, On uh, iTunes, we'd really appreciate if you would give our Patreon some consideration. Uh, Patreon.com slash sifted. Um, That's what keeps the lights on. That's how we keep doing all this content. Without our patrons and our supporters, we're nothing. Still appreciate you guys uh, if you're consuming our content for free on YouTube or uh, on iTunes. At the very least, we'd appreciate if you could review us on iTunes or share our our content on social media so that maybe somebody else who can afford to pay uh, might get turned on to the show and will give us a couple dollars. So anyway, hope you guys have a great St. Patrick's Day. Don't drink too much. I want to make sure we see you guys all on Monday back on the website.